Welcome to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. Each month, we bring you an informative interview that helps you live your best life as an entrepreneur. Here on the Worthy Writer edition, we take a deeper dive into authorship topics through conversations with notable writers and quality industry professionals. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of the Write Something Worthy podcast. This is the last episode of the first season of the show, and I'm so glad you could be here with me today. It is also our last Worthy Writer edition for the first season. That means it's our final interview, and who better to join me today than author and transformational coach, Stephanie Dumont. Stephanie is an executive and transformational coach and has been for the past 20 years. She has helped her clients' visions to become their daily lives. And she's worked with people like gold medal winning Olympic athletes, philanthropists, leading physicians, award winning artists, cutting edge professionals, philanthropists. She has made an impact in all of their lives. She's also recently become a heart math certified trainer, giving her clients techniques to change their physiology in under two minutes. I will be sure to ask her about that. She is also a catalyst who leads individuals and teams in personal and professional transformation and heart-driven leadership. Stephanie is the co-founder of BeCareFree.com. And BeCareFree, by the way, is with the letter B, Carefree. Uh, I will have a link in the show notes for all of the contact information for Stephanie. But it's a learning forum and a community dedicated to joy, contribution, and meaningful productivity. She interviews their thought leaders and facilitates socialpreneur masterminds, and she contributes articles to the media about principles and techniques that she's learned to live a good life. So Stephanie is now a new author of the book, Yes First, Taking Action in Uncertain Times, which just launched this week. I am so excited to be a part of her celebration, and I'm so happy to have her here with us today. Welcome, Stephanie, to the Write Something Worthy podcast. So glad to have you here. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled to be here. I have to ask you, how does it feel to be a number one best-selling author? Ooh. It's it's like an electric buzz. That's all I can say is um I I feel an electricity just running through me, uh mind, body and spirit. Um that I, if I felt it before, it's been a really long time. Probably the only thing I can compare it to is like when I was um when I was a performer and I used to be on stage singing when I was younger, it's that kind of electricity and energy that just runs through you. And um, it's, it's just this constant buzzing. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ride it and keep it as long as I can. Yes. Ride that way. 
Now, what's so exciting yes. is you launched your book just yesterday, and yes, your book uh, is entitled Yes First, Taking Action in Uncertain Times. I, I forgot to mention that. But yes. I, it, it went to number one even before launch time and in multiple categories that it's just so tremendous to see it just catapult to the top. It was awesome. It was awesome. It blew my mind. Uh, And yesterday morning, a dear friend of mine who had shared my book with his, uh, his viewers, he has a wonderful YouTube channel. Shout out to Jonathan Azalea. Um, phenomenal dating expert, and he he shared my book with his viewers. He has some really wonderful, dedicated viewers. And I woke up, and I and there was a text from him. We're very close friends, and he's like, "You're at number ten as of five o'clock this morning." <laughs> and I was what? I jumped out of bed and ran to the computer and got <laughs> on. And gosh, I think it was within the next hour, uh, it mm. had reached number one. So, yes. yeah, before we even launched, the launch time was at noon yesterday, and and we hit number one in multiple categories, even before launch time. That just totally blew my mind. It was amazing. It was absolutely yep. amazing and so exciting. What a ride. And it's not like, yeah, and, you know, as an author, it's not like you didn't, you know, you just sat back and said, oh, I'm writing my book and now I'm published publishing it and it's going to just go somewhere. You had to put some effort in to make oh, sure yeah. that your book took off. And and so you really deserve tons of credit for all the work that you put in to make mm. that happen. It's, it you. wasn't just some little cakewalk, oh, I'll just write it and it'll happen. You actually put some effort no. in and made it so, but you made it so. It's so awesome and exciting. So. I did. I, I connected with, um, I had, first of all, I'm so very fortunate, uh, and I just wanted to say thank you to uh, all of my friends and um, affiliates who are listening because, you know, this is, it's when you publish your book, especially when you're a first time author, like you said, it's not just the tenacity and the focus and, you know, working all the moving parts. Um, It was, you know, reaching out to your community and reaching out to your friends. And, you know, part of uh, befriending uncertainty, which is one of the chapters of my book and saying yes first. um, In addition to that, one of the chapters is asking for what you want. And, you know, uh, a lot of us are apprehensive about asking too much or, you know, imposing on someone. And, uh, you know, a great friend of mine who has reached the pinnacle of her career, she, she always reminds me that if you don't ask, you're, you're never going to get. And so, you know, I have a whole chapter dedicated to, you know, asking for what you want and, and how do we make that request um, because a lot of times we spend our time, you know, complaining uh, about what's happening or what we think is happening, like making up stories and instead of like making requests. And so I went to 
my friends, you know, that I knew believed in me. So I'm very fortunate about that and asked if they would, you know, pay me forward, pay it forward and, and share it with their audiences and, and um, their guests. And I was really fortunate. I was very, very fortunate. So, you know, becoming an author is not a passive thing. It, there's this, I think, somewhat of a fallacy out there that, you know, once that you, even people who get picked up, um, they think that everything is just going to be kind of taken care of for them. And this is something I believed, too, until I was in this business program, uh, Susie Carter's business program last year. And Susie, who has, you know, a best-selling book, uh, and she was she's with Simon & Schuster, but she taught me that even though you're picked up, even when you're picked up by a big publisher, you still need to do marketing work. You still have to have a marketing plan. And, um, you know, you're still the driver as to, you know, how you're going to reach your audience. And so this was a tremendous learning experience for me, uh, you know, in regards to driving the marketing piece of it. Because, again, it's not something that you think about, especially as a first-time self-published author. This is all a new experience for me. I have never done – I had never done any of this before, and so, you know, I had to get over my shyness um, in regards to asking friends to, uh, you know, support me in, you know, sending out my, my marketing material or the information about my book to their audience. And um, I just, I also had to get very, very clear about uh, which people I thought were, you know, best in alignment with me and um, and also knowing, you know, that that they understood my material and understood me. And um, so, yeah, so getting getting courageous to make the big asks and, and then getting clear about how you're going to get out to these people as well, because. I, you know, I'm not a marketing person and I don't yet have um, a team or even an assistant yet. And so, you know, a lot of these marketing pieces um, were being created in the moment and sent out. And I, I just, there's not, I had no idea how much went into it. Yes. Yes, it is definitely not something that you can just take lightly and assume it's just going to happen for you. And, you know, Susie Carter, she did talk about that on our show on episode 25. Susie was there and she had she had to do quite a bit of work and she had this big, huge, you know, publisher. Right. Right. So how right. can you imagine how much more work then does a self-published author have to do? in order oh to get their book out into the world. So yep. it is no small task. And it really is important as you talk about asking. It, it is something that I've shared with students that I've had over the years um, that if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. So you may right. as well ask because the answer is already no, right? So if you hear right. no, it's no big deal. <laughs> it, exactly. Yes. And you and, and when you receive the yes, which, you know, part of this is a big part of my life also is 
is knowing how to ask for what I want and um, and doing it courageously. And you'd be surprised. I mean, the percentage of people that say yes. I, I was told years ago that people actually want to help with us. They, they want to be of service. And, you know, we... I, I think you and I have spoken about this topic before that we have a tendency to make decisions for other people before we make the ask. And that's, you know, that's a misnomer that we really need to uh, just get very crystal clear on what it is that we want or what it is we need. Or even, you know, I'm getting much more comfortable being vulnerable. This is something that's, that I've, been going through um, in the last year or so, um, but like not having to have everything all figured out. And I am learning to ask for help when I get stuck or when I go into the weeds. And I think that's a really important part of this process as well um, is, you know, not just pretending that we have it all figured out. Uh, because when we do get stuck and we do hit the wall, which happens often, especially with, you know, myself as a new um, published author, um, we need to have support. I mean, like what you do, Tanya, you, you've been through this process and this is your expertise. And so somebody, you know, any type of author would be so wise to have someone like you um, walk them through this process because it is, it's tremendous. It's, it's a big undertaking. And so, you know, we all need support and assistance and the least that someone could do is, you know, have someone like you consult them or, um, you know, help walk them through a certain part of the process. Yes. And, you know, that's, one of the great joys that I have is is helping people to do just that. The light bulbs that go off uh, in my clients is is phenomenal. And you know, even when I was just doing a lot of teaching and and teaching at writers conferences and things of that nature, the light bulbs in the audience was always so um, exciting for me because when you're uh, a pro at something, you you take everything for granted, right? You're like, of course you're going to do this, you're going to do yeah. that, you're going to do the other thing. But when it's a new author, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I had to do that. And what is this? And how do I do that? And so when you see the light bulbs go off that I get it, oh, that's what I have to do, then it's, you know, it's a real exciting thing for me to to help people through that process. But publishing, self-publishing is, is an incredibly isolating process. And because there are so many moving parts and because you're, you know, if you're one person or even two people, you're pushing these things forward, um, there's not really a lot of people that understand what you're going through. So I wasn't sharing a lot of what, what I was doing for a long time. And so I kind of felt like I was in this kind of container, like a fishbowl container um, for the last 
couple of months, you know, getting ready to launch. And again, that's not something that I was able to foresee. And then um, when you start to, when you upload your book, you know, what that requires to upload your book to Amazon um, or any other, you know, distributor, and then all of the steps that are necessary in regards to getting set up, just getting set up with the distribution company, again, it just, I had no idea how many moving parts were required. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Everybody, uh, well, there are people who say, oh, you can publish a book in a minute and it's just easy peasy and, you know, yes, it might be easier than the old days or it might be, easier, uh, you know, but the reality is there is a lot to it. There are steps to take and steps to take in certain order. And, Mm -hmm. oh, there there are a lot of moving parts. You are correct about that. It can be done, certainly, but it just isn't always the cakewalk that a lot of people like to make it out to be. No. Now, tell me this. You you talk about having the courage and clarity to act. And one of the questions I have for you is, is about the concept of saying yes first. You know, mm. we're already afraid to ask because we're going to hear a no. How, how right. do we step out and say yes first and then do what? How does that work? So yes first is kind of like a, I would say it's an underlying theme of my life. That's why this was one of the first chapters I put out and, and, and part of the title of the book. So I have this quote that uh, I have used throughout my life and it's, um, my life is a performance of which I was never given any chance to rehearse. So my life is a performance of which I was never given any chance to rehearse. And so that is directly related to saying yes first, because I feel like any time that I was given opportunities in my life, they always came like three sizes too big. And so I would, through at periods, if I look back at periods throughout my life, that brought me to my next level. It was always an opportunity that was way too big for me. And a lot of times it was an opportunity that I didn't totally know how to do. And one of the reasons that I became successful and I I continued to go to my next level was by saying yes first. So there were times in my younger life when For example, when I became a corporate coach and I was first hired by this motivational organization, my boss pulled me into her office and she said to me that uh, the owner's wife, who was in charge of this call, that she wasn't able to do it next week. And so she said to me, can you write a class and then can you record the class? And then we're going to send that class out for motivation. And she said, can you do it? And I said, sure, I can. Of course. Yes, I yes, I can do that. 
And I left the office just saying, oh, my God, what did I just say yes to? Uh, I had no idea. And it was a very big undertaking. And yet I figured it out. I did it so successfully that the boss came to me several weeks later and said, the audience loved your recording. They loved your class and, and people were asking who you are. So she said, the boss's wife wants to know if you can do another one. And again, I was like, sure. And after the second one, again, they got rave reviews, went crazy. And they came to me, she came to me the next time and said, the boss's wife would like to know if you would like to take over this monthly motivation um, recording project in class. And, and they gave me, you know, this opportunity that only the, the, you know, directors in the company and the top tier had performed prior. So that was just an example of saying yes first. And sometimes for me, it's been, it's, it's like sometimes the opportunities also feel like, you know, you're getting thrown into the deep end of a pool. You can't just like, mm -hmm. you can't go and stick your toe in and go up to your ankle. It's like you're in the deep end and you're just learning how to swim. Just figure it out. Ah, but those are, yeah, but those are where the greatest gifts and the greatest opportunities have arisen when we say yes. And then the way just the way somewhat appears. And when we say yes first, what I mean is that sometimes we can't always see the whole picture of something, you know, and we can't yeah. like, you know, we jump without it. We jump and, and hope that a net's there. And it is. Or we can see, you know, we're looking like down a staircase and you can only see the first step. And so in regards to yes first, it's my belief that when we take the first step, that the next portion uh, can unfold and can appear. But it's kind of like a, you, you have to take the first step first before the next portion appears or unfolds. It's yes first is a commitment. And so when we make that commitment and we say yes, then divine providence can open up to us. And it's my just, it's my experience throughout my life. And it's my belief that by saying yes, that we're making that commitment. And that, you know, like I said, providence can come into play. And that the next, you know, that's how my life has shown up. My life was not like one straight shoot. One of my mentors Sparky, Halise Bridges, whom I adore, you and I both adore, she tells this wonderful story about how a rocket ship gets to the moon. And she says, a rocket ship doesn't just fly straight to the moon. The rocket ship flies a certain portion, and then it goes off course. And then it pivots, and it changes, and it redirects. And then it goes for a certain section, and it goes off course. And then it pivots and changes and redirects. And it does that all the way to the moon. And that's what this, that's what yes first is about. And that's what taking action in uncertain times is about. It's about just taking that first step, even when we can't see the whole picture.
You know, as I look back on this concept of yes first now, your book and your deciding to come out with this book is another mm-hmm. example of saying yes first. You said, yeah. yes, I am going to allow my words and, and my impact to be felt around the world, and I'm going to do that mm-hmm. now. And when you said yes to committing to getting your book done, yeah, Divine Providence came to your aid and got that book out to the world. It and did. in grand fashion. It did. In grand and, and, you know, Tanya, before this book, I have, I have a, another big book that's written, um, and that, that one's called 52 Weeks to Living Conscious and Carefree. But it was so big, and I had a partner who had some, you know, my conscious and carefree partner who I'm so grateful to, uh, Aviva Rabinovich, because I don't know if I would be here had we not started our blog, Conscious and Carefree, together. And she and I wrote together for years. So I I knew I wanted to do a book, and I had put together the big book. Um, and, you know, half of it, about half of it were her writings. And she she's so busy. She's She has her own uh, writing boutique and her own company. And she just didn't, she wasn't interested in publishing a book. And so I took on the task, but the big book was just taking so long. And what I, you know, what I learned as I started to move forward was, you know, my background's in sociology. And so this is something I've known for a long time that, you know, in order for us to incorporate changes into our life and and apply changes in our behavior and our patterns, it's important for us to, to just change one thing at a time. And so it's better for us to learn smaller amounts of information and then take that information and apply it as opposed to just, you know, when you go to like a weekend seminar, you get, there's so many, you're bombarded with information. And my NLP friend taught me that, you know, we can really only like absorb and incorporate like five to seven, maybe nine chunks of information at one time. And the rest of it's just flies right over our head. And so when the, when the opportunity came in regards to writing a book that was, you know, digestible and absorbable that people could, this is this, my book is um, my vision and, you know, this is volume one, but my vision is a series of coaching guidebooks. So like you said, I, I'm going to get to reach people all over the world. And I, I, coaching is very much who I am. It's not even something I do. This is, this is my life's work. So this is in part my contribution and my gift to the world. And so I got, I, I have had such tremendous feedback on the fact that this is only a certain number of chapters and that I can have people focus on these principles and integrate these principles and these perspectives into their life. And at the end of each chapter, what I do is I extract the reader's insights 
like their own particular insights about their success, and then I ask them to apply them and put them into action. And this is how we create sustainable change. And this is how we create consistency is by, you know, learning something, then we absorb it, we become aware of it, and then we practice it. It's everything's about practice. So this really is the first part of my contribution to the world. One of your reviews from your book that just launched yesterday talked Ah. about exactly that, how how the book is laid out in bite-sized chunks that you can actually take action on. And I would agree with you that it is great when you have a book that you can you don't just learn something, but you learn how to apply that something to your life now. It is so easy to get a big, thick book and say, oh, wow, that was a great book. You read it all, but you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> right? Yeah, so. and something something that I, like, pride myself on, I, I had, I was in an interview a couple days ago, or it was last week, and he said, why would, you know, somebody buy your book as opposed to someone else's, you know, in the genre of, you know, business and self-help, that kind of thing. And I said, well, I I am an expert at helping people to identify their personal formulas for success. And this is something that this is why people come into my mastermind groups, for example, and they don't leave. I've had ongoing mastermind groups for over four years where the people come in and and they have effortless success. They make more money continuously. They they move forward so much more quickly. Um, When they have ideas, ideas are sparked within the group um, that that actually help them to up-level in ways that they couldn't have even imagined before. And so, you know, it's important for us to have the support in the community, but this is part of what I do is I help people to identify their formulas for success. And then once they have those formulas and they actually are aware of them and they document them, they end up being able to apply those formulas to everything, to their professional lives, to their relationships. And so, all of their life starts to flourish. That's the beauty of this work. It's not just, you know, a lot of my clients come to me uh, because they have difficulty in one area. You know, I had um, a former uh, Olympic champion, multi-medal European Olympic champion. He came to me because his staff complained that he was like Attila the Hun. They were genuinely afraid of him and the way that he acted and um, they all, he had a very small company, like a staff of experts. I think there were like 40 people and they were threatening to quit if he didn't get coaching and assistance. And so I worked with him for eight years, several times a week um, in person. And I was almost like a, became a somewhat of a private coach to him. And um, he is, just completely a changed man. He is and was, and uh, I ultimately came in the company and started training his staff. And again, it's it's asking for help. It's reaching out. These are 
the things that I'm talking about in, in my book. And being willing to accept that help. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, in that one client scenario, the fact that he would be willing to one listen, two take yeah. on a coach, three actually be coachable. Um, yes, that goes to show the impact of what you were able to provide, and so your being able to do that for people can really help to change their lives. Yeah, and and that starts with saying yes first. It starts with asking asking for specifically what you want or need. And also, again, you know, to enter into relationships like this, I talk about befriending uncertainty, you know, in my book, in a chapter in my birth book. You know, we're, we're taught that it's when we complete something that, that the journey begins, right? We're taught like that you can apply this to even my publishing my book. We're taught that, uh, that really, you know, you're not able to acknowledge or feel joy until some type of specific uh, completion happens, until you receive your certification or, or you receive your diploma or you, you know, publish your book. And so my philosophy is that the journey is the destination. I actually have that on a ceramic uh, piece downstairs in my house, meaning, you know, uh, conscious and carefree, my brand um, what I want to do with the world and do with my books as well is to help people to experience more joy and more meaningful productivity in their life. Kind of like me publishing this book. This was me, um, in order for me to publish this book, I had to go to the show. I was doing a show on Awake TV Network and I had to say, okay, I've done this show for for six months. I've done it for two seasons. And then I kept having this thought that would come into my head saying, what if I'd spent that six months working on my book? Would it be done? And so that's another big piece is, is cutting out the, the, the superfluous, is really getting clear on the fact that, you know, part of this process, is, is, you know, as much as we're saying yes first, it's also us learning to discern what we are going to focus our energy and attention on versus not. And so in order for somebody to successfully, you know, be in this position that I'm finding myself this morning, you know, in this new position, I've never been a number one best-selling author before. And in order for me to really accomplish that, I had to also discern what I was going to focus my time and attention on and what I wasn't. And so this, I, I got to a point where I said, I'm only going to focus on my book now. And I had a lot of things trying to pull me in other directions. And, you know, and I went, no, I'm just going to, and you become, you know, monovision. And once I did that, once I got the clarity, I get like downloads of information. I don't even know how to explain it. But once I got the clarity that this was my lane, uh, and I, it, it happened pretty darn fast. It sure did. 
<laughs> and beautifully. It laid out beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, I want to shift gears to learn more about something else that um, you share and that I share with the audience in your bio, and that is that you've recently been certified uh, through HeartMath. I want to I understand that. Can you uh, mm. tell us how you can use that to help others? Or Absolutely. What does that do? Yeah. It's so funny. So the concept HeartMath, which uh, many most people have never even heard of before. It's funny because it's an organization that's been doing scientific research. I think now they've been doing this research in, for about 35 years. Uh, Roland McCready is the, I think he's the scientific, um, he's the person that oversees all the research that's been done. But I want to say it's been about 35 years, and I think they have over 400 scientific studies now. And heart math is, uh, very simply put, it is the coherence uh, between our heart, our brain, and our emotions. So again, I just I just want to repeat that. It's the coherence between our heart, brain, and our emotions. And so once we have awareness of what's happening, and once we start to practice heart-based breathing, for example, which I'm now trained to teach, we can change our physiology in like two minutes or less. And it's Funny, what's, what's interesting about heart math is that um, once you understand it, it is so simple. And it's the kind of thing where people say, how is that possible that just by me breathing, I can actually change my physiology? And uh, it's, the proof is in the pudding because when I started the program, when I started the training, I think it was uh, January, the timing was so perfect for me, too, because we're coming out of this radical, challenging period. You know, everyone's coming out of a very difficult time. We were just eking out of COVID and uh, so much restriction and so much isolation. And that's another thing, too, is that there's not anybody walking around that doesn't need heart masks. All of us need it. I don't, it doesn't matter what level of success you've had or who you are. All of us need to be practicing this. And for me, this is kind of like a key to helping create the type of world that we say we want to live in. You know, we talk about we want to live in a kinder world and a more peaceful world and, and a more gentle world. And yet we still um, act out and we still get caught up in our emotions and we still get stuck and we still get very angry and and that can go on as long as we allow it if we're conscious and if we're aware and so heart math once you start practicing these heart-based breathing techniques it actually changes something called like baselines like we have 
we have unconscious baselines that run us throughout our day that we, most of us are not even aware of, again, because they're unconscious. Um, so I'll just give you an example. I'm going to out myself, but one of my baselines that I discovered was rushing. And that I would, anytime I was getting ready to go somewhere, I was going at such a rate, um, even if I wasn't going to be, you know, late to something or just on time to something, the speed of which I would prepare to get ready for something was like uh, an overdrive. And so when I started practicing the heart-based breathing techniques, you start to recognize these underlying baselines that are running us. And so I would notice myself in this rushing, you know, place. And I would be like, I would say, okay, let's just start doing and and I wouldn't even, it became where I would just recognize it and then I would start the heart-based breathing. And as I started the heart-based breathing, I would just naturally bring myself after a, a moment or two, I could naturally bring myself down and bring myself into coherence where I could feel myself drop in. And then my heart was now communicating with my brain and my emotions, and they were all synced up. And so it was changing the way I, not only was it changing the way that I felt, but it was changing the way I act. I mean, I had, I remember one day I was hiking with a friend and something was happening and it was startling and she was all over the place and freaking out and all upset. And she looked at me and she said, why aren't you upset? And I said, I'm I'm practicing heart-based breathing and I, that doesn't affect me anymore. And and this is somebody who's like a very close friend and she was shocked. She said, oh man, you got to teach me some of these techniques. <laughs> but, um, you know, what what HeartMath has discovered is that our brain is actually pretty limited when it's not in coherence. And that our heart is actually sending so much more information to our brain than we knew, than we expected. And they were learning that the heart has its own central nervous system even. And they even talk about how they, they consider now the heart has its own brain. So, you know, in the beginning, everybody's like, how is that possible? And so what HeartMath has discovered is that when we tune into our heart first through heart-based breathing technique, our heart then communicates with our brain and sends certain messages, and that communicates with our emotions. And then what it opens up like this whole new world. It opens up options where we weren't able to see them before. It creates clarity. It creates we're, we're able to receive better. We become receptive units. And so there's all these positive effects that take place. And so heart math has changed me. It's changed my life. And it's going to become the driver with my coaching now. Because I realize that if I can teach my clients how to, you know, synchronize with their, with their heart, and which will, 
you know, synchronize with their brain and their emotions, if I can do that and help them change their physiology, then there's nothing they can't do because they're in that receptive state. And so the most important part with HeartMath too is consistency and practice. You know, it's not like you can do it once or one time a week and, and expect change. It's like anything else. It's something that you practice, you know, throughout the day or several times a day. And then when you start doing it, then it becomes unconscious. So now when somebody is around me and they're very stressed out or they start to project some kind of tension on me, I can just start using a technique even while my eyes are open and I'm looking at them. You know, usually in the past you had to go, you know, take yourself away from something and practice meditation for 15 minutes. And Right. And uh, I just think that heart math is going to help change the world. So thank you for asking about that. It's yeah, like the number one passion truly, right now. Good, good. I was, I was truly curious about that and, and wanted to, you know, I, I'm also curious how all of these wonderful things that you do and offer, one through your book, Yes First, and also in your coaching, do you believe that we have an audience of, of authors or emerging authors or neophytes? Yeah people who want to be authors and want to be best-selling authors like you, do you believe that this kind of information can be beneficial to an author who's trying to write a book or trying to share their message with the world? Absolutely. Because, it I mean, it starts with you. It starts yeah. with you. And because okay. if if we are all over the place, and, and, you know, running like a chicken with our head cut off, which is just a norm in our society. Chaos is the norm. And mm. you, have to, you have to say no to that. You have to say, I choose harmony, and I choose peace, and I choose focus. And, you know, even when it gets stressful, I mean, I have to tell you, Tanya, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there were times when I had volunteered for, you know, some people's events and volunteered to do all this stuff. And it was right with crunch time. It was right before uh, I was going to launch. And, and there were a couple of times when I just like sat down and cried because I was totally, I felt like I had overbooked myself and I was overwhelmed. And that stuff happens. And then so, you know, my husband's like, okay, so you cried. And then, you know, brushed myself off. And I'm like, okay, what's next? Right. So, yeah, did some heart math, recentered myself and refocused myself. But, you know, number one is, is believing in yourself and believing that this is possible. Because without that, nothing else, nothing's going to occur. So first and foremost, it's believing in yourself and that this is that publishing a book is possible. And like I said, when you say yes first and you make that commitment, there are providence starts to unfold. I mean, even just sharing with people that I was, you know, in the process of writing this book and publishing it. And you must 
you you also you know something that your listeners need to do is they need to create uh, it's really important that you create a date that you set targets and timelines because the story that I hear from everybody who's writing a book is oh I've been doing this for 10 years I've been doing this for five years uh, I'm almost done this is a 20-year thing and so it if you don't set timelines for yourself in regards to putting this together, it, again, it, it might not happen or it could take exponentially longer. So I just talked to a friend this week and he was, you know, just kind of living vicariously through me with my launch date and he's working on his memoir. Um, and I said, do you have a deadline to be done? And he's like, well, it would be really nice if I could do this. So um, having timelines and also I want to encourage you, you know, I'm very fortunate. I have uh, a wonderfully bright um, and dedicated husband. And my husband has been my, he was my primary editor before I hired a professional editor. And those things are important too because... You know, he helped keep me focused and um, we would create, you know, each day we would put aside certain hours and we just call it book time. And so from three to five every day, we would work on the book. And, um, you know, when we were went jogging together in the morning, yeah, we would um, work on the questions. I would tell him the questions that I came up with and we'd toss them back and forth and see if we could massage them and make them better for, for the behind the chapters. And so it's really important also to identify who your support team is. Because you need support. Like I said in the beginning, this is an isolating type of, it can be isolating when you're doing this and when you get really serious about it. And so, yeah, I would encourage people to do that. And you don't have to feel like you have to do it alone either. I mean, because there is support right. out there. Even, even if you don't, if you're not as fortunate as you and have somebody in your household that's willing to support you, there are others outside of your household who will support you as well. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And there are, there are, I mean, people like yourself who give mm -hmm. tremendous support to what people need for first time authors and publishers. Um, I think it's helpful to have a writing group you know, to have people holding you accountable or a mastermind group where you can make commitments and set goals every week to what your next steps are. Um, and I think that's uh, that's an important part. Yeah, that is good. Having that support team really is helpful. Yeah. Well, I am just so excited for you. One thing I want to share with you is that I created a special link to your Amazon bestseller at writesomethingworthy.com forward slash yes first. So um, to make it easy for us to share today so that everybody can go out there and grab your book, writesomethingworthy.com forward slash yes first. Mm. So now, uh, are there other ways? What else can uh, listeners do to connect with you and to tap into this incredible positive energy you share. I love that. Well, I have a gift. I have a gift for oh. your listeners. Yay. And so the, we the, love gifts. 
<laughs> so it's a little gift and it's it's a fun one um and it's it is um it's like a quiz and the quiz is are you ready to live conscious and carefree are you ready mm-hmm. to live this kind of life and so your listeners can go to the letter b is in boy the word carefree.com forward slash I am ready. So I'll repeat that. The letter B, the word carefree.com forward slash I am ready. And you can, uh, you can click, you can download the quiz and take it. And what's wonderful about this too is it's going to help you to understand some of what you will receive by living a conscious and carefree life. And also, um, my, my brand Conscious and Carefree, it's a learning forum. And so if you just want to go and take a peek, you don't want to take the quiz, um, I have hundreds of articles and thought leader interviews um, and all sorts of fun stuff on my website. And that's just the letter B, the word carefree.com. And you can go listen to um, wonderful um, interviews on how people who are really happy and very successful at the top of their game, what's important to them and how they got where they did. And um, tons of articles on the four pillars of living conscious and carefree on well-being, connection, mindfulness, and up-leveling. So I would love for any of your wonderful authors to um, go, go on over there and you can receive the support you need there. Awesome. That is terrific. That is terrific. And we're going to have all of your links to to your site, to the, uh, to the I Am Ready survey, to your book. We'll have all of that on the show notes for writesomethingworthy.com. So Thank you so much. So they can always go there if they... If their hands are too busy right now as they're listening to the podcast, just go on over to the show notes and you can get a link to everything that Stephanie Dumont has to share with you. So, Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for being a part of the show today. This is tremendous. And I also want to congratulate you for becoming a number one best-selling author with Yes First, Taking Action in Uncertain Times. I am so excited for you. Thank you so much, Tanya. It really is it is a, a dream come true. This is definitely one of my dreams that I have been waiting for for a long time. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. If you'd like to know more about today's guest or even to reach out to them, you can find all of their information in our show notes at writesomethingworthy.com. 